Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back to the 117th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms and Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Has your teen ever said to you, Mom, why don't you trust me? I've seen so many moms come into my practice reeling from that question. And why would moms be so bothered by that question? I think it's because it feels like if you were a good mom, you should just trust your teen. Like in the same vein of moms are supposed to love their teens. Like it's our job to trust them. It's like if you don't trust your teens, it feels like you're thinking bad about them and that you don't believe in them. We are going to explore the concept of trust in this podcast. It's more complicated than you think. So let's dive in. So first, when the teen asks you, why don't you trust me? We need to see the question in context. We need to rewind the video a bit. I'm guessing that question is being thrown at you because you set a limit or you said no. It's connected to things like, you can't have screens in your room after bedtime. You can't go over to Ryan's house because his parents are either not there or not paying attention to what's going on in the backyard. Or your teen is irritated at you with having that life 360 app on the phone. Or your daughter wants more privacy with her boyfriend. She says, why don't you trust me when you say you can't close your door? So let's reframe the question your teen is really asking you. Instead of, why don't you trust me? What they are really asking you is, why won't you let me do what I want? 
In my private practice, when parents would ask me that question, I would say, there is a capital T trust with your teen and a lower T trust. So let me talk about the lower T trust. I'm about to make a very dogmatic statement. You should never lower T trust your teen. What I mean by a lower T trust is really looking at trust through a developmental lens. Because of where your teen is developmentally, you should never trust your teen. And you may be thinking, never? Of course, there are times you can trust your teen, but there are situations and times that you shouldn't trust your teen. Okay, I'm going to use myself as an example. I am an educated adult and have a 25-year-old daughter, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about me. I love cookies. Not store-bought cookies. I love homemade cookies, especially the old-fashioned chocolate chip cookies. So let's say I'm baking cookies for Christmas. I take out a batch of chocolate chip cookies out of the oven and put them on a stovetop to cool. I am alone and the house is filled with the smells of chocolate chip cookies. The higher brain, my cortex, would tell me, you can have two cookies and that's it. You don't need all that sugar. That's not good for you. And it's going to make it harder to get into your jeans. And you don't want a muffin top, do you? But at that moment, when I am smelling those delicious cookies, my higher brain is not engaged. My lower brain is engaged. The lower brain that it's especially sensitive to smell. And there's something else in that lower brain that can trump all my logical reasons for not eating 15 hot, warm, yummy cookies. And that is the reward center or the pleasure center of the brain. This reward center of the brain is in the lower brain. And I won't get into all the details here. But what's most important is to understand what's going on. The lower brain can react 500 times faster than the higher brain. And this works well if you were in danger because you need to act fast. It doesn't work well with chocolate chip cookies. So here I am, an educated adult, and before you know it, I have eaten six or seven cookies, of course, justifying it by saying, well, this cookie is broken. Now, if I, who is a very educated woman with a very mature cortex and higher brain, loses self-control, your teen is a hundred times more vulnerable to enticing rewards. When scientists say that teens are all accelerator with faulty brakes, this is what they're talking about. The accelerator is a pleasure center or reward system. The brakes is the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex ideally keeps the pleasure center in check. The prefrontal cortex is saying, if you smoke weed at school and they catch you, you could be expelled. If you have sex with no protection, you can get STDs and get pregnant. In other words, it's saying, let's look at the facts. Let's look at the consequences. Let's have perspective here. Okay, there is something else going on for that teenage brain. The connections between the differentiated parts of the brain are not running effectively. Think about these neural connections like roads connecting cities. The teenage brain is like a dirt road with potholes, while the adult brain's connections are like the Autobahn in Germany, like a superhighway. So in the teenage brain, the communication between the lower brain and the higher brain 
is really slow. So the teen hears, yes, 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 from the reward center. Have sex. And while that signal is checking that out up in the cortex, it's going so slowly, 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 slowly to the cortex that would say, hey, that's not a really good idea. All right, so going back to me and my chocolate chip cookies, I have life experience and I have feedback from the cortex, but that desire from the pleasure center is so strong that I can end up doing something that I regret, even though those stakes are extremely low. Now think about your teen with faulty brakes, slow communication to that reasonable part of the brain, and then we've got to add in peer pressure and the stakes are high. If your teen is in a situation where their pleasure center or reward system can be activated, this is putting your teen at risk. Moms, I know you know this intuitively, but I'm giving you the why. So if your teen is pushing you and telling you that every other mom lets their teen stay out till 3 a.m., you can calmly say no and feel good about your decision. And no, you are not ruining their life. You are protecting their teen and they need it. So what are some of these tempting situations with your teens? For sure, teens having screens at night with no supervision is dangerous and tempting. We used to think that if our teens were at home under our roof that they were safe. And that's not true anymore. Your teens have a whole universe at their fingertips. Porn is super easy to access. You can't control who they are chatting with or what's being said. Your teens are vulnerable to the world of sexting, where girls are being pressured to show nude pics and being sent nude pictures, and all the bullying and pressure that girls are experiencing around that. Many teen girls have told me that they ended up sending nude pictures to these boys when they really didn't want to, but they felt pressured about it, they felt threatened, they felt blackmailed, and they didn't think they could do anything else. Many teen girls have done things on the internet that they wouldn't do in person. They've told me that what they do sexually on screens isn't really doing anything wrong because it's not in person. So these teens, especially girls, can get pressured to do things they don't really want to do. Our teens need our help, and we do that by setting boundaries and guidelines for them. And even if your teen is completely innocent, it's too tempting for your teen to have access to screens at night. They will want to talk to friends all night long because they can. And our teens have FOMO, the fear of missing out, because everyone else is talking online. So we don't want to trust our teens with screens at night and have them responsible for setting limits. I know when you set limits with them, they're not going to like this, and they will totally push back on this, especially because we're coming up on summer. Because social media is designed to be addicting for all of us, but especially teens. They can't monitor themselves, especially if they are in their early teens. That's why we set boundaries and limits for our teens around social media, by being their prefrontal cortex until theirs starts to kick in. As they get wiser and demonstrate they can handle more freedom, you can extend your boundaries around social media. 
but you always want there to be accountability. This is super helpful for even seniors, knowing that you are going to be looking at their texts and Snapchat or TikTok can rein their behavior in. You know accountability is helpful for you and for adults, and how much more is it helpful and needed for our teens? Sexuality, drinking, and drugs are big-time activators for the reward center. For girls, it's not always just being sexual, but they will do crazy and risky things if they have a crush on someone. Let me ask you a question, Mom. Did you ever do anything risky to put yourself near someone that you had a crush on? I know I did. I might have just climbed out my window in the middle of the night in high school, but don't tell my mom. One of my clients is 16, super cute, and had a boyfriend for about a year. She wanted to watch TV in her room with her boyfriend, but the door shut. She told her mom they just wanted to relax and cuddle. Her mom kept telling her, that's not okay to keep the door shut. And the girl would get angry and yell, why don't you trust me? And anyway, it's my body. Well, that didn't help her mom trust her. When I had met with the 16-year-old girl earlier, she disclosed to me everything that she was doing sexually with her boyfriend behind closed doors, which is what her mom thought was going on. As a therapist, you can get put in some awkward situations, because if you're working with a teen, there is confidentiality between you and the teen, unless there's abuse or she's in danger or if she's having sex with an adult, but the rest is confidential. I did my best to reassure mom that she was doing her job without betraying the daughter's confidentiality. So believe me, moms, keep the door open if your teen has a romantic interest over. Again, alcohol and weed big time engage the reward system. That's why teens don't usually moderately drink. When they drink, it's usually binge drinking. So let's say your teen's very involved in their youth group, and they don't drink, but they beg you to go to a party where all their friends are who drink. And your daughter says, Mom, you know I don't drink. You know you can trust me. And this can be true. And you can still not trust your daughter in that situation. Because in this scenario, you have alcohol, weed, friends, peer pressure, Your daughter wants to belong and have friends, and then a girl she wants to be friends with hands her a drink or says, do you want to vape? Will the pull of wanting to be accepted be part of a group? That's a powerful pull on the brain. It can feel really awful to be an outsider, which she would feel if she wasn't drinking or smoking weed or vaping. The desire for belonging makes your daughter vulnerable to drinking and vaping, even though She, quote, doesn't drink. Another reason you shouldn't trust your teens is that they are wired for risk. The absolute worst thing ever for a teen is to be bored. It feels terrible to them, and there are biological reasons for this. So if they do something risky and novel, they feel over-the-top elated, and that's hard to turn down. I remember I was in a professional meeting on a Saturday, and my daughter was a junior in high school and was driving my old Toyota 4Runner. Yes, that used to be my car. I think it had 150,000 plus miles on it. And in the middle of my professional meeting, I checked my phone and saw that she was 70 miles out of town, and I could tell she was heading three hours west to San Antonio. 
I called her, and her and her friend were like so excited. We're doing a road trip. Well, her car had terrible tires and no spare, and I hadn't given her permission to go. So I told her to turn around right now, because if she had a flat tire, she would have been stuck on the side of the highway. Needless to say, I got nothing out of that professional meeting. So teens love risk and doing something new and exciting, and they make impulsive decisions, which is why apps like Life360 are a good idea, even though your teens hate it, because teens in a split second can make this crazy decision that sounds like so much fun without thinking anything through. And I bet if you and I were having coffee, you would have a few stories to tell me from when you were in high school where you had made a bad decision because it just sounded like fun. I remember when I was a junior in high school, I met a cute guy in the park and he asked if I wanted to go for a motorcycle ride. I thought that was a great thing to do when I knew nothing about him and I just met him for a hot second. It ended up he drove and stopped at a deserted park, and it became a wrestling match, and it's a miracle that nothing bad happened. Now, as an adult, I look back at that decision and think to my 16-year-old self, what were you thinking? You could have been raped or killed. The truth is, I wasn't thinking. I was being driven by dopamine. So when I say you shouldn't trust your teen, I mean that you don't put them in situations that are too tempting and that's going to activate that reward system. Bad idea to let a bunch of teens stay the weekend at a beach house or a lake house unsupervised. Dr. Daniel Siegel, who is a renowned neuroscientist, calls this the drive for reward. In his book, Brainstorm, Dr. Siegel says, During adolescence, there is an increase in the activity of the neural circuits utilizing dopamine, a neurotransmitter central in creating our drive for reward. Starting in early adolescence and peaking midway through, this enhanced dopamine release causes adolescents to gravitate toward thrilling experiences and exhilarating sensations. Research even suggests that the baseline level of dopamine is lower, but its release in response to experience is higher, which can explain why teens may report a feeling of being bored unless they are engaging in some stimulating and novel activities. This enhanced natural dopamine release can give adolescents a powerful sense of being alive when they are engaged in life. It can also lead them to focus solely on the positive rewards they are sure are in store for them, while failing to notice or give value to the potential risks and downsides. So again, moms, when your teen says, why don't you trust me with that lower T trust? She means, I don't want any guidelines or supervision or consequences. You should just blindly trust me. And this is why I say you should never trust your teens in these kind of situations. But here is where you can trust your teen. I like the concept of trust bank. Everything your teen is doing is either depositing trust in your trust bank or it's not. Every time they do what they say they're going to do, they deposit trust. So your teen gets their driver's license and you say, right now I just want you to drive to school and come home. And every time they come home, they're gaining trust. Every time you say, you need to get off your computer, and they do it without fighting, 
they gain trust. And when you can trust that they are going to demonstrate responsibility, you can give them a little more freedom. Well, you can take the car out tonight as long as you stay at the restaurant and then come home. And if they do that, if they do what they say, they earn more trust. So instead, why don't you trust me, mom, like it's on you to trust them? It's really on your teen. If your teen has built up a lot of trust in the trust bank, well, that's because your teen acted a certain way to gain trust. They were responsible. I know this seems super simple, but teens don't connect the dots here. You can connect the dots for them. You lied to me. You took my credit card without my permission. You went over to Karina's house when you said you were going to play golf. You came home after curfew. You didn't get up on time for school. All of this is on them. They made choices that drained the trust bank. Why I love the idea of the trust bank is that no matter how bad your teen is screwed up, they have the chance to start making deposits back into the trust bank. They can make deposits by not fighting with you when you ask for the phone, by doing their chores, by keeping their room clean, by bringing their friends over, by giving you their friend's address and parents' phone numbers. If you have a teen who lies or uses, they earn trust by not fighting with you when you check facts or make them do drug tests. The burden of proof is on your teen, not you. You don't have to explain why you don't trust them. Now, here is a key principle. You want to make trust a practical, pragmatic issue, not an emotional issue or about your relationship. When you see the science of their biology and because you have the power, teens have lied to parents for centuries. It's not personal. So you don't want to use trust as a way of judging your teen or labeling your teen like, you are so disappointing to me. You're such a liar. You're so lazy. You disgust me. It really helps to not be surprised if your teen is allured by reward systems in their brain, making impulsive decisions, and trying to cover it up. Don't be surprised, but also don't ignore their behavior. You want to deal with it. Now, I'm not saying that you should be all cheery when your teen breaks trust. This stuff hurts. Vent to your friends about it or a therapist or a partner. Just don't vent at your teen. This will not go well and the drama will escalate in a hot minute. But take the time you need to calm down, get clear, and then you can go back and calmly and pragmatically say, you know you broke the rules. You were drinking and driving. You weren't honest about where you were last night. You have drained your trust bank. There's no more trust in there. These are the consequences, and here's how you can start depositing trust back into your account. Doing it this way makes their breach of trust a logical consequence, like simple math. What you did subtracts trust, and now you have zero trust. This approach preserves your relationship with your teen, and you don't damage their heart or character. You really want it to be clear that it was their choice and therefore their consequences. Instead of them thinking, mom hates me, I'm a loser. Raging and shaming them is not going to teach them anything. 
It's such an important life lesson to learn that if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. You can do something about it. Making deposits in their trust bank builds their self-esteem and a sense of agency in the world. Teaching them to take responsibility for their actions and giving them a way to make amends and make it up to you will serve them well as an adult. Making it about you like, how could you lie to me? I mean, that's not helpful because it brings it back to you. This is about your teen's character and their ability to own up to their own decisions and actions and choices and take responsibility for them. I do think when your teens say, why don't you trust me? There is a grain of truth in that question. What they're saying is, do you think I'm a terrible person? Do you just see me as a loser? Do you think there's something wrong with me? In other words, they don't want to be pigeonholed as an angry, irresponsible teenager. They are looking to you to be a mirror, to reflect back to them that you see their uniqueness, you see their gifts, talents, and you know that there is more to them than their mistakes. You see their light and you see them with all their ordinary quirks and you love them. You enjoy them. You haven't given up on them. Because the teenage brain's thinking is so black and white because of the lower brain, they default to this all-or-nothing binary thinking. So you have to spell it out for them. And this is a capital T trust. So to your daughter, you say, you have done a great job of pulling your grades up. You have a beautiful heart. You're very caring to your friends. I love your sense of humor. I love how creative you are. You're one of my favorite people to hang out with. I know you can do anything you want to do. You're going to have an amazing future. So right here, I want to make a distinction between trust and believing in your teen. This requires you to not dwell on the negative or make it about you. Your teen just needs your parenting and guidance, that's all. So you set your boundaries and consequences because your teens need it, because of their drive for reward. When they make a mistake, you give them ways to make deposits in the trust bank, while at the same time you keep believing in them and knowing that this developmental distrust, I'll say that again, developmental distrust, will come to an end someday, and all the wonderful attributes that make up your teen will keep unveiling itself as they walk towards adulthood. This is why you never want to label your teen. You're unknowingly, when you label a teen, are putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is who you are. You are a liar. You are lazy. The truth is, your child is developmentally in motion. You want to see them in their realness, their vulnerability, their humanness, and you want to visualize them turning into amazing adults. You have such a great opportunity to teach your teen about how to be trustworthy and why trust is the foundation for success. You can teach them how to not only be a trustworthy son or daughter, you're teaching them how to be a trustworthy friend, husband, wife, and business person. And you're teaching them how to trust themselves and how to monitor their own appetites, desires, and impulses until they can manage it. You let the consequences do the talking. Mom, all the things that you do are 
so important. You're helping your teen develop their character. You're giving them tools to live a healthy life. You're letting them feel the weight of their consequences. You are protecting them from themselves until they have the cognitive ability to stand on their own two feet. And mom, you want to be the person your teen can trust. You want to model trustworthiness. And you do this by not trying to be a perfect mom, but to be a mom who is doing her best to walk in integrity. That when you fall short and make mistakes, and you will, you own it, apologize, name it to your teen. Like, I want to apologize for getting angry with you. I could have said that so much better. This means that when you're exhausted, that you take care of yourself. You own your humanness, tell your Teens that you have no reserves and that you need some quiet and some time with your friends. It means that you're consistent and clear with your teen, that you follow through on what you say and what you promised. You're trustworthy by taking self-control of your emotions and not being careless with your words. You're trustworthy when you give consequences when you say you are. You're trustworthy when you are emotionally safe and don't verbally attack your teen out of nowhere. And you're trustworthy when you don't ignore warning signs and you do the hard work of parenting. You're trustworthy when you pay attention to your teen's heart, soul, and mental well-being and not just concerned about their grades. And 10 years from now, your son or daughter will enter adulthood. And now it's your turn to trust. You trust the mother you've been and the son or daughter you have. You trust that over the past 20 years that you've laid the foundation and groundwork for your kids, including all the things that you taught them when they were children. You trust all the ways you've spoken into their life, that you were there for her when she was fragile, heartbroken, and lost. You supported him and lifted him up. But most importantly, you gave them the tools as teens. Eventually, you can rest knowing that you are with your teen, even when they are away from you. You have taught him or her to know the truth of who they are, and now you can trust that they will follow it. Fear and doubt will pound on your door, even when your teen is 20, 30, 40 years old. But trust in who your son or daughter is, and that they can find their way through any situation. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere, You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.